Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. From our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Everyone right here. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. And a pleasant good afternoon, everyone. Budweiser's weekday sports feed is on the air for this Thursday. August the 10th of 2023, a.k.a. 16 days away from Notre Dame season opener against the United States Naval Academy in Dublin, Ireland. 2.30 kickoff, August the 26th on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Great to have you with us. Sports speed on the air until 6.40 tonight. We're done 20 minutes early because... Those South Bend Cubs are taking on those Lake County captains in Northeast Ohio tonight. Game three of a six-game series. So we've got the Cubbies coming up at 640. But until then, we've got Notre Dame football talk, college football talk, ready to go here on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined once again today by my co-host for the 5 o'clock hour. He is the editor and publisher at Indie Insider Inside, <laughs> I got my words all mixed up. Why you don't want me you me say it? InsideIndieSports.com. That'll get you an eighth Emmy Award or Grammy oh Award or gosh. whatever. What, what was the award that you had? I've been so worried about saying that wrong that now I'm to the point, okay, I've done it for a week, we're good, and I absolutely blacked out when I was ready to say the website website's name. So That's okay. I'm sorry. Inside indiesports.com the th- thing is the <laughs> last place that i work had it wasn't southbendtribune.com we had ndinsider.com yes that's what's in came, my head well i came up with both names so it's your fault i don't, I don't yeah i don't even keep them straight <laughs> but but it's part of the branding so inside ND sports 
That's Eric Hansen. I'm Darren Pritchett. Great to have you with us on this Thursday evening. Now that we got the websites right, it's strange to think that December 18th would be my 25th year at WSBT Radio. You have been in this market covering Notre Dame football for how many years? On a regular basis since 97, so as the first Bob Davey year. And then really, I've been, I came to South Bend Tribune in 1988. It was not my primary responsibility then. I was kind of a helper on some of the weeks, Big Ten and and then Notre Dame basketball, and then all of a sudden I was into Notre Dame football. So you've been around Notre Dame football for 35 years? Yeah, a long time. Yeah, I didn't do the math. Okay, so 60 years between the two of us. Okay. I bring this up because Okay. I don't know if in my time at this station covering Notre Dame football I have seen or heard a worse idea oh. surrounding – Notre Dame football. Now, people across the country have opinions. There's a lot of people that don't like Notre Dame, and they're going to talk about independence and and pick fights. That's part of being a big brand. The Cowboys deal with that. The Yankees deal with that. And you deal that with that as a fighting Irish football, I guess, corporation, we could call it. But this might be the worst idea that I've ever come across. And Andy Staples, who's a pretty smart guy covering college football for On3, he tweeted this out seven hours ago. And he starts it off by saying, hear me out. Normally that's a sign something's coming that you're probably not going to like or agree with. But Andy said, hear me out. Notre Dame, Stanford, Cal, Army, Navy, Air Force. That's your conference. Sell it to NBC. Notre Dame has to take less, but Notre Dame has been taking less for years at this point. Army-Navy is a massive TV property. Those are teams that teams in other leagues would schedule out of conference. That might be – now let me change that. It is the worst idea I have ever heard surrounding Notre Dame football. That makes zero sense whatsoever. Why would NBC want that package? You tell me what's valuable after Notre Dame. <laughs> Seriously. What's number two? Stanford, Cal, Army, Navy, Air Force. And don't bring up Army, Navy's a massive TV game. It is because it's all by itself. Eric, that's a big deal. If it was in week four of the college football season, it would be a big deal, but it would lose some of its oomph, wouldn't you say? Because that game is played by itself in December. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's nothing good here. Um, no, I mean, not. you you can't even. I mean, you've got some traditional rivalries in there, but um, let's just look at from a football standpoint. You're asking Notre Dame to basically go from being a Power Five level team to being a Group of Five. Yes, that's essentially what's yeah. happening here. You can say, well, you'd win your conference every year, so I mean, <laughs> you're not going to have a very high seed in the college football playoff, if they even stay with automatic qualifiers. And even then, you would be a group of five. That's not a power five conference. Think about it in other sports. Think about it in basketball, what that does to the men's and women's basketball teams. Think about what it does in lacrosse and soccer. We'd have two opponents in hockey. You'd have Army two and opponents. Air Force. You'd That's two, it. <laughs> two opponents in hockey. So it could you could win a three-team hockey league. Ugh. It's just awful on every level. And it's the big thing, too, Darren, is 
it's not going to give you the financial oomph to be competitive no. with other conference teams. It's it's laughable. I, I like Andy. He's been on our podcast before. But, I mean, seriously, I don't want what he has been drinking. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> well, I don't know if there are many high-end recruits that want to go play at Notre Dame having to play that schedule. Fa- who no. would want to face three triple option teams in oh, one year? <laughs> I can name some defensive linemen in Notre Dame Pass that would have yeah. no interest whatsoever in that. Hey, sometimes you throw stuff at the wall, it sticks. Not the case with that particular argument. That is a tough one. All right, let's have some fun here. Let's get to some opening topics here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. And with Notre Dame football kind of at the halfway point of fall camp, closing in on the start of the regular season on August the 26th, Eric's website, which of course is so easy to remember, InsideIndieSports.com. Right. He has a depth chart that he and the staff kind of come together on. They put together a Notre Dame depth chart. You can find it on their website. At the top of the page along the, I guess, the banner area, click on football. You'll see depth chart. Yeah, drop down menu. Yeah, and then you'll find the depth chart. So you guys updated it since Tuesday's scrimmage. So I'm just wondering, in your guys' estimation, was there some significant changes that needed to be made to your depth chart? So let's start on the offensive side of the football. When you guys had your discussion after Tuesday's practice open to the media what did you feel like you had to alter based on what you have been seeing not only that night but so far in fall camp uh i think you know what i basically left alone were wide receivers and quarterbacks didn't see real i ordered i added jordan phase on a walk-on from florida to the depth chart at wide receiver just because he's probably going to play some not Okay. Heavy rotation minutes, but he's going to play. But quarterbacks left the same, um, and tight ends started to sort through there. With Kevin Bauman having missing so much, I had um, Mitchell Evans, and then I had three people kind of tied at two. Sure. I have separated those. Holden stays is two. Eli Reardon is three. Kevin Bauman is four, and maybe even not that. I mean, it, you may have Davis Sherwood and Cooper Flanagan creeping up because we don't know. We'll find out Saturday, and we'll talk about it on next week's shows. And for people that have been following, Bauman's been basically off to the side for right quite a few practices for now. a couple weeks, yeah. and, um, you know, not in a cast or anything like that or a protective boot, but has a big brace on his knee. Um, so that's concerning. So where, where did I do some altering? So I start – at left tackle, but I started lower in that. I flip-flopped Ty Chan and Charles Jagaza at left tackle and left guard. It looks like Chan is getting a lot more tackle work. Jagaza, the true freshman, is getting some guard work. That's not a huge difference. With the left guard, I went ahead and put an oar behind Billy Shroud. Pat Coogan has gotten a run of of practices with the number ones now again this may be the final decision 
and, and needing to get another really good look at Coogan before they pick Shroud. This really surprises me oh, that it's this close. <laughs> Center, I left alone with Zeke Carell, Ashton Craig, Joe Odding. Right guard, I've taken the oar away. I believe that's Rocco Spindler's job. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, he's. it's been two solid weeks that he's been at number one. That can't be uh, an experiment anymore. I mean, and it's consistent. There's not a lot of flip-flopping around. I think Rocco Spindler has done what most people in my chat, most people in the message board, probably most of the people that DM you, have wanted this is the the yes. people's choice here is Rocco Spindler had you told me at the start of camp which guard spot would get locked up first absolutely no doubt it would have been Shroud in my opinion yeah and Spindler and Kristoffic they Marcus, would have figured it out down the line Marcus Freeman told me that in his office in late June he said it's gonna be Shroud and and so, so kudos to Pat world. Coogan for making this a competition and maybe even overtaking Shrout, but it's surprising. Wow. Um, wow. I still think Shrout is going to eventually be a very, very good player, but let's see how this plays out. And then at right tackle, the only thing I changed there was uh, moving Michael Carmody all the way to the bottom of that. Wow. We don't see him play hmm. hardly at all, and he's not off to the side with injured players, so it's, it's very interesting i think it's something that i'd like to bring up to marcus if i get a chance again we get two questions so you're kind of rationing <laughs> out but if if enough of the other questions have been asked when i get around to me i may ask about that because that's curious a guy that's been a starter before and certainly been a number two a lot of times number two a lot of times to number be two. fourth at right <laughs> tackle behind a true freshman is is really interesting and then the running backs I did a little bit of um, sorting out I okay. believe Audric Estime is solid number one I think Price and Ford are two three yep and then I have a tie between Jabron Payne and Jeremiah Love Jeremiah Love was a little dinged up going into the open media practice Jabron Payne got hurt in the media open practice limped off with a left ankle injury, but he was back at practice today. So I think those guys are fighting it out to be kind of in the end of that rotation. But I think Price and Ford are the guys that are going to see the most carries beyond estimate. And Eric, at this point, is it pretty much a done deal? We put it in marker that the top three quarterback would be Hartman, Angeli, and Minchie. I mean, Angeli is absolutely solidified the backup spot, even though Minchie, it sounds like, has held his own. Correct, because Angeli really surged in yep. the summer. There's a, that's a different guy. I mean, he surged in the spring and took another step forward in the summer. Somebody asked me about that on our message board. I still think Minchie, if I had to do a draft for the future, I would pick Minchie over Angeli. If I had to put somebody in a game right now, I would put Angeli in. And it's not that Minchie is slow to develop. Minchie is much farther ahead, I think, than Angeli was going into last season when he was a freshman. Uh, he's super smart. He's athletic. But he missed a lot of football his senior year, too. So every rep is helpful for him. Actually, only having three quarterbacks in camp yeah. was super helpful for Kenny Minchie. He's going to continue to push, but Gino. Gaduli, the first-year quarterbacks coach, definitely said, here's the tears. 
Sam Hartman, Steve Angeli. For the Twitch people, they can see my hand moving. And Kenny <laughs> Menchie third. We need to get you some tape of the White House correspondents who will jam like six questions <laughs> into their one opportunity to ask the press secretary a question. So since you only get two, so we got to figure out a way to jam a whole bunch into one statement. In fact, I guess you could ask the press secretary more questions than the head football coach at Notre Dame. <laughs> That's true. We do have somebody on the Good beat grief. that will ask about six questions in one of his That's questions. That's what I mean. Perfect. But, but all the same subject. It's all the same question. It's just different phrasing it. It's like, okay, if oh, I were I asking you. about you. Uh, Darren, do you warm up your voice before you go on the air? Does your throat hurt? Does your um, <laughs> Do you take cough drops? Do you have hot tea? So it's all the same question. Instead of saying, you know, is Rico Flores the best freshman receiver as opposed to whoever your third string linebacker is, who, who that might be, you know, and trying to get... You know, I, I've tried that, and I've been successful at it. You have? The thing about it is, Marcus will give you – B. Brian Kelly was really the master of the multi-part question. He, he would remember yes. all the parts. Marcus sometimes forgets a part, and I would too. I'd say, just stop. Well, there's a big difference. We had Brian Kelly a couple of times a week. You get yeah. Marcus once every three weeks, so he doesn't have as much practice <laughs> okay. as Brian I'm serious. Okay. You think about it. He hasn't had much practice right. doing press conferences. He he has not. The one thing I will say it, that we do get is we get the assistants, and there's a lot yes. of insight. For example, Marty Biaggi was the special teams is the special teams coach. He was in today, so we know who the starting kicker is. Spencer Schrader. Mm -hmm. We know Spencer Schrader's likely going to kick off. We know Bryce McPherson is going to be the punter. We know Chris Tyree now is the number one punt returner. Nice. And we know that the kickoff returns are just about decided, but it's down to four people, and I have to update this on the depth chart. Um, and that's um, Devin Ford, hmm. Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, and Chris Tyree. So it's those four. One of those four will be handling. I almost said Tyson Ford. That wouldn't happen. That would be interesting. That I would be interesting. Tyson Ford back there. I like Tyree as the punt return man. I, I think so, too. I think there's something to be said for that. And if he can get ahead of people, then he's going to outrun them. Um, you know, some of the people that are that were in the gong show, that the tryout, were <laughs> uh, Jaden Greathouse was one of them. Uh, Jordan Faison, the um, walk-on that we mentioned earlier. Uh, there was um, Jaden Mickey and then Matt Salerno, who is, I think people remember him from his fair catches. I think he's better than just a guy that could fair catch, but I do think Chris Tyree makes the punt return more exciting. I think Gong Show is one of my favorite phrases you came up with. Well, that, that actually, well, I borrowed it from Brian Polian. He, Did Polian use Polian that? Polian came up with that once. The gong show, yeah. More creative in calling things certain names than actual activity on special right. teams. So <clears throat> we, we learn a lot about that. We learn a lot about the depth chart and kind of some of the nuances of what's holding a player back, what's pushing somebody forward, 
when we get to talk to the assistants. The thing is, you know, again, some of them you talk to at the very beginning of camp, some of them you're talking yeah. to now toward the end. And uh, there's advantages to both. Sure. Some of those weren't decided. But, yeah, special teams was today. Wide receivers is tomorrow, so we'll get some insight there. Okay. So now let's do part two. Okay. Of changes that you've made to the InsideIndieSports.com depth chart. Watching this football team throughout fall camp, watching the scrimmage on Tuesday, what did you feel like you had to alter based on what you have witnessed on the defensive side of the football? I left Viper and the same, even though everybody's excited about Bubakar Traore. He's fourth string there. He's the fourth option there. That's a heck of a fourth string. Right. I, I've flip-flopped Jason Anye and Gabe Rubio. I moved Anye over to defensive tackle. I've moved Rubio over to nose guard. That's based on talking to Jason Anye saying he's practicing more defensive tackle these days, but each of them play both. I've, I shifted some of the um, – I shifted Donovan Heinish over to nose guard from defensive tackle, moved Tyson Ford up a little bit more. It seems like he's getting some juice. Um, moved Aiden Kiana Aina down to fifth string. It doesn't seem like he's much of a factor right now at nose guard. Hmm. At the other defensive end, right now, Aiden Gobiris hurt. He's got a knee injury, and he's not even doing side work right now. So he may fall to the bottom of the field end depth chart. I kept Nana Osafa Mensa and Javante Jean-Baptiste <laughs> uh, tied at the top of that. Tyson Ford is getting some work there. Brennan Vernon could emerge there. The The thing, the hardest depth chart to do is the linebackers because it's not really linear. The other thing is Jack Kaiser was so much better than Maris Le Leofau in the spring and in the early parts of camp. Maris Leofau is surging. He looked Tuesday like the guy we all expected him to be last season. And it's kind of continuing, and we're starting to see him at least be in the nickel coverage with J.D. Bertrand. Now, maybe that's nickel in shorter yardage situations, maybe in longer yardage, it's Kaiser and Leofau. It surprises me because of how well Kaiser has played. Also, you have more complex packages with the linebackers. Jalen Sneed's going to play a lot, mm -hmm. so it looks like he's the second um, Will linebacker, which he kind of isn't. He's almost third and the third rover, but he's going to play a lot in packages. Um, right now, because Nolan Ziegler's not been at practice, Drake Bowen's playing a lot, and he's coming and rotating in at the uh, middle linebacker, but still your main players are the three grad seniors, J.D. Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, and Maris Leofau, but right. Leofau is Messing up the depth chart a little bit. I may Good. have to adjust it again because he's playing very well. Um, the cornerbacks, basically I sorted through who has settled at boundary and who's settled at field. Boundary is the guy that you usually think of as more physical, that maybe has a lot more one-on-one -on -one coverage, isn't playing the super speedy receiver. Small part of the field. Right, and then field is you know, when the ball's on the closer hash mark and has more field to cover. It's interesting to me that Ben Morrison has ended up being the boundary cornerback yeah. and Cam Hart the field, but they're consistently like that. Um, I moved a few other guys around back and forth. 
um, to, to fit those. Uh, but field cornerback Jaden Mickey is over there behind Cam Hart. He's getting a lot of work right now because we believe Cam Hart is in concussion protocol. Won't get that confirmed until Saturday. Um, and then nickel, we've settled that Thomas Harper's the Good. number one option there. Clarence Lewis is two. Micah Bell has been playing number three there. So they've they've taken some of the safeties out of that mix. Ramon Henderson's not in that mix anymore. They wanted to simplify things with him at safety. And then really the safeties are pretty close. I mean, some I moved Thomas Harper to the very bottom of the safety depth chart just because he said he's not practicing much there because he's full-time nickel. And I've moved Adon Schuler up a little bit. Um, I put Luke Talich a walk on into the depth chart because he's practicing and they think he's going to be a future contributor next year. Just to go back to the corners, it is interesting for people that don't get into boundary and field. The boundary, like we just discussed, is that small part of the field. You're close to the sideline. You may not have as much safety help there. Correct. And that's normally a spot you would see the quote-unquote taller, more physical corner. And Cam Hart is 6'3", and Morrison is six foot. But it is very interesting that the coaching staff has put Morrison there and then the wide side of the field where there's much more real estate, you've got Hart there. So I'm really kind of fascinated to dig into this as the season goes on, why they went that direction. It is interesting, and I think, you know, is it because of the taller receivers? I mean, not, usually your tall receiver is into the boundary, not with Notre Dame now. Tobias is out, you know, at 6'4", is, is a field receiver. I think you're thinking about Ohio State with Marvin Harrison being a kind of 6'3", 6'4", guy as a field receiver. And the, probably the best receiver in college football. Probably number two is their slot receiver, which is Emeka Egbuka. And you would have Thomas Harper theoretically on him, and then you'd have uh, Morrison in the boundary with Julian Fleming. And then you would think the safety help's going to come from Kim Hart and Emeka, not with you're going to let Ben Morrison deal. That's what I was thinking with Julian Fleming by himself. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So maybe that's what it's designed for is those big games against USC and Ohio yeah, State. Could be. And with the boundary corner, like I said, you don't get as much safety help. Yeah. Maybe you want more of that lockdown guy yeah. on that particular side of the field. Interesting. All right. Next up on our opening topics for tonight's program, I'm Darren Pritchett with Eric Hansen. The editor and publisher at InsideIndieSports.com. And again, you can check out that entire depth chart. Very useful going into the start of the year at InsideIndieSports.com. At the top of the page, hit football. And then a link will come down where you go ahead and pick depth chart. And you can check it out for yourself. Let me read a quote from UCLA head coach Chip Kelly on all the realignment chaos in college football. He said this to the Los Angeles Times, quote, Notre Dame is an independent in football, but they're in a conference for everything else. Why aren't we all independent for football? Take the 64 teams in Power 5 and make that one division. Take the 64 teams in Group of 5, make that another division. We play for a championship, they play for a championship, and no one else gets affected, end quote. What was your reaction to seeing that? I, I, thought, it, I thought it was a better thought than what Andy Staples came <laughs> yeah. up with. I, I thought that 
you know, he's thinking outside the box. I can pick holes in that and say pretty quickly why that wouldn't work. But I think the concept of separating group of five and power five is football is leaning in that direction right now. Um, right now there is, especially if the NCAA is no longer over football and there's not a an antitrust necessarily uh, reason, lawsuit reason to include the group of five, that's maybe where we're headed with with that whole thing. But I, I mean, I don't see how that would work. I mean, you, I guess you could schedule whoever you wanted and have rivalries that way. But um, I think it would be kind of a mess, and uh, yeah. I, I just don't see it working well. And really, then, if you were negotiating sixty-four different television contracts, how would that work? <laughs> um, but, but I give them credit for kind of pushing that concept out there because I think there's ways I think you can at least start with that and then build on that concept where I think Andy Staples just needs to be flushed I mean his idea idea. Andy yeah Yeah, Andy's a good guy all right finally let's have a little top five list here as we look at the Notre Dame season 16 days away the Irish number 13 in the first coaches poll, the AP poll, will come out on Monday. A reminder, those polls really don't mean anything. It's not a part of the package that puts together the final teams for the playoff for choosing New Year's Six, etc. But just for fun, let's talk about the toughest games on the Fighting Irish schedule. You factor in, Eric, possible weather, coming off a bye, Heading into a bye, home, road, toughness of the team. There's a lot of things to consider. So how would you rank the five toughest games on the Notre Dame schedule? So let's go five to one. We'll start with your number five. I went with Duke. Um, It's on the road. It's game six of the season, which seems crazy that that's still in September and it's game six. Um, And it comes right after Ohio State. And Duke was pretty competitive last year under Mike Elko. Uh, they're getting better defensively. Riley Leonard is one of the better quarterbacks in the country, not just who Notre Dame will see. Um, and so, again, whatever happens in Ohio State, if Notre Dame wins, that's going to be a tough mental game. If they lose, that's going to be a tough mental game. So Duke comes in at my number five. Number four. I went with NC State in that spot. I'm not sure that they're the fourth best team on the schedule. Brennan Armstrong with his old offensive mm-hmm. coordinator could regenerate him into one of the top quarterbacks, which he was when he was with that offensive coordinator. NC State has been a pretty good defense. They've also been kind of a kryptonite to Sam Hartman in terms of forcing him into turnovers. There's been some wild games between those two teams. They are Wake Forest and NC State are in the same division, uh, the Atlantic of the ACC, so they play each other every year. But he's had some meh games against NC State. (laughs) And it's also the first game that they'll really be tested defensively, um, and it's going to be on the road. So, um, you know, the good news for Notre Dame is there's going to be they're going to be able to bring some blind date elements to that game because they won't have shown everything 
against Navy because of the nature of Navy and Tennessee State because of the nature of it being an FCS school. Yeah. But So that NC State game is really intriguing. Okay, going through the toughest games on the Irish schedule, number three. I went with USC in this spot, and I haven't done my preseason poll vote yet. And I, th- I think USC may be better than Clemson just because mm. of who their quarter, because of who the quarterbacks are. But I think Clemson is more complete. I I looked at that ace all ACC, um, you know preseason team, and there are a lot of Clemson defenders on that list. Will Shipley's a very good running back. Clay Cade Klubnick is, I think, an upgrade at quarterback, even though he threw a pick in the Notre Dame game last year. Great potential. Yeah, that that was uh, Jaden Greathouse's quarterback in high school. Um, so, and, and it's a road game um, in November at Clemson. So I think that lifts US, or pushes USC down. That's a home game in October. Um, and I think Notre Dame matches up better against USC. If they have... I mean, certainly they have to have the pass rush that Notre Dame has been showing in preseason camp. But they have better cornerbacks, at least to deal with Caleb Williams. Now, the problem that they had was they couldn't contain him once people were covered. Notre Dame-Clemson, that's the bring-your-own-guts game, right? (laughs) Remember that? Dabo after the game? Bring your own guts! (laughs) What I remember is the... um, do is the smoking pig and all the oh, rain gosh. in 2015. And Brian Kelly nonstop going for two, missing it, ended up losing by two points. Kick yeah. the extra points, you're in overtime. Still one of the worst decisions ever. All right, number two on your toughest games on the Irish schedule. Well, I kind of gave it away in my description of USC. I'm going with Clemson on the okay. road in November on November 4th. And obvious who number one is? The Ohio State University. You Buckeyes. have a piece of paper on your wall with that name on it. I do. I'm, I think it's in a drawer, but I do have it. <laughs> you mean your Zoom shot? You don't have that somewhere in the background? I don't. Those, oh, okay. are, those are other things. All right. Well, for me, we're very close. I have number five at Duke, number four at NC State, number three at Clemson because I think the Irish will beat them, number two USC, and number one Ohio State. So we just had Clemson and USC flipped. Yeah, I mean, USC has a lot of transfers. It's really hard to understand how good they're going to be. There's a lot of new parts into that system. Right. I I mean, Notre Dame may beat Clemson um, at Clemson. I still think it's a tougher game, but I think Notre Dame is going to be a better team in November than they are in September. Are you traveling to Clemson? I'm planning to. So you get to go to the Smoking Pig. Because last time they were out of brisket, right? They were out of brisket. How do I remember those things? How do you remember That's our that? relationship all these years. Just little things you say, for some reason, stick in my head. And uh, <laughs> one of the people that was sitting at our table, I can't remember who it was, bought a T-shirt. Should I should I say what the T-shirt said? It's, it's your livelihood on the radio, not mine. <laughs> well, I, I'll skip it. It's not dirty, but it has... A double entendre that okay, maybe we some probably. people wouldn't appreciate. I mean, about the new version of Footloose. I think one of the boys in that show had a smoking pig T-shirt on, and I thought of you when I saw the doggone T-shirt. See the effect you have on me. I will say I, this: the smoking pig was was epic. I'm glad that we went there, but there was this little place in Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, just 
I can't remember what it was. I think it was called Backyard Barbecue, and the lady made me pineapple lemonade, and everybody was calling Ooh. me pineapple for the rest of the day. Pineapple lemonade. But that place was, that place smoked the smoking pig. Mm. It was really good. It just didn't have that name. Pineapple lemonade. Yeah. Hmm. Pieces put, of pineapple in it. You put a little iced tea in it, then you've got a pineapple Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and then if you add vodka into that, then you've got a pineapple John Daly. There but you that, go. That was as good a barbecue as I've ever had anywhere. It was really good. All right. And they were so nice. Those the smoking pig is nice. like, we're out of brisket. Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Have a great day. 542. Well, that's the longest opening segment in Sports Beat history, so we got to get to break. I got to pay some bills. And we're going to play an old segment that we used to do. We're going to ask Uncle Eric some questions from his chat at insideindiesports.com. I got to get the Indie Insider thing out of my head. That's the key. That scrambles my brain. Insideindiesports.com. We'll do that next on WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Along with the co-host for this hour, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, the rival's website that covers Notre Dame athletics. For the people tuning in on the Twitch app, do you want to hold up the T-shirt from the smoking pig that you were afraid to say over the air? We'll give them a bonus. For those tuning in to our video feed, we'll give them exclusive information to the smoking pig T-shirt. And there it is. (laughs) That's fantastic. All right. For those on the radio, sorry, you just have to... Watch the video to find out. All right, 548 at WSBT. We are asking Uncle Eric a bunch of questions from Eric's InsideIndieSports.com, Notre Dame football chat this week. So let's get through as many as we can. We'll start with Sed from Saginaw, Michigan. How many freshmen do you see playing this season? And the rest of the question, yeah, we'll skip it. We'll, we'll go with that. He, it's a lot of A lot cheering. of stuff. Yes. So, and he'll do that with every question when he asks it. So I said, let's cut to the chase. I said eight. And my caveat is we're not counting special teams only. We're not counting people that are able to preserve a redshirt year and play four. So these are people that are going to burn a redshirt year. And I went with wide receivers, Jaden Greathouse, Enrico Flores, uh, running back Jeremiah Love, defensive end Bubakar Traore. Hmm. Linebackers Jay Osbury and Drake Bowen, cornerback Christian Gray, and safety a Don Schuler. Now there may be some others, depending on injuries to them or injuries to other people. Like Brennan Vernon could sneak up if there's some depth issues. You might have Ben Minnick at some point at safety uh, move up, but those I think are the most likely people. Jaden Osbury when in front of the media, always seems to be around the football. Very intriguing freshman out of Louisiana. Yeah, I remember when we were watching the blue-gold game together, and it was our first time back on the air together in a few years. And, 
besides being in awe of your broadcasting <laughs> skill, Jay Nosberry was up in the list of um, things that really impressed me that day. Well, you are a seven-time okay. Oscar winner. We'll, we'll move along to Marie from Atlanta. Now that you've seen a complete practice in pads, what are one or two things that you're most excited about and that you feel will help the team get to the playoffs? And what are one or two things that you're still concerned about? So the number one thing that I'm encouraged by and impressed with is that the front seven from the beginning of the spring until now has not taken a day where I thought, boy, that looked really crummy or I have reason for concern. My reason for concern is that we just don't know a lot about those individuals, but they've progressed very steadily. They've been kind of the, the pleasant surprise all the way along. Now, again, they haven't been maybe tested in front of us the way that they will be in games, but that would be number one. Um, number two is special teams. I think people were expecting Notre Dame to take a big step backwards with Brian Mason, who's incredible, moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. But Spencer Schrader, and he spoke with the media today, his range, he said that he in practice will usually, con if they let him, connect from 62 to 63 He's very consistent in hitting 53-yarders in practice with a rush, with us watching, with fake crowd noise. Um, he's going to kick off. And then Bryce McPherson, again, you thought John Sott, man, that guy was a heck of a punter. This guy is mm. better. Um, and then I think what's happening with the uh, return game, I think Chris Tyree emerging as the number one punt returner, is exciting and the four people we mentioned earlier in the kickoff mix. Okay, next up, Jay from Cincinnati asked Uncle Eric, is there a freshman that has a chance to be this year's Benjamin Morrison and he wants you to exclude the wide receiver room? I went with Christian Gray and not just because he plays the same position. I think Christian Gray is the guy. If, if there wasn't so much depth there, it would definitely be Christian Gray. Um, he's ready. Had he been on last year's team, he would have been ahead of Jaden Mickey. I mean, he he was ahead of where Ben Morrison was last year. Now, Ben Morrison came in in June, um, so Christian Gray was here in the spring. And I should I answer the rest of Marie's question because she said concerns. Should I say that or no? Uh, we'll skip that. Okay, we'll just keep it. on going okay. here. And, and, of course, Gray's the guy who's going to handcuff the competition. All right, Cowboy Mike from Georgia wants to know, give us your two starting offensive line options. So I guess he's looking for two different starting lineups for the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, they're in both Joe Alt and Blake Fisher at tackle and Zeke Corral were constants. And right. I just put Billy Shrouth and Rocco Spindler together because that would be my pick. And then I put uh, Pat Coogan and Andrew Kristoffic together because I think that's not my pick. Uh, but they're guys that have challenged. And right now it looks like maybe those would be split. And then I said the best guy on neither of these lists is Emil Wagner. Okay. I'm glad Tanker from New Mexico asked this question because I had a discussion with myself on the program the other day 
about Deion Coles because you got these rising guys like Thomas and Merriweather. Then you got the young freshman that everybody is excited about. And Deion Coles, he's just kind of in the middle yeah. of those two groups. Where does he stand? So that's kind of what Tanker wants to know. He wanted to ask you how Deion Colsey has been coming along in camp. So I think pretty good, but, you know, he has moments where you go, wow, that was really athletic. Wow, that was a big third down pickup and then kind of disappears. Part of the reason he does is because Jaden Thomas played in the slot kind of out of position last year. He's over into the boundary. So he's got – that's Notre Dame's number one receiver, so he has to leap over at him to get playing time, or Jaden Thomas has to move around the formation for him to get playing time. So there's not as clear of a path for him to challenge for playing time, to rotate in for playing time. Still a really good player, um, but, you know, that's where it mm -hmm. is. Okay, we're going through some of the questions Eric was asked in his InsideIndieSports.com chat this week. Bill from Milford, Connecticut. I think that's where the Dan Patrick show resides from. What's the one weakness with Sam Hartman that defenses will key on? He threw a lot. He's thrown a lot of interceptions and he does it when he's kind of pressed to Wake Forest was not a good running team. His last three years there as a starter. In fact, they were 92nd in rushing offense. So he sometimes takes it upon himself to kind of, force it into coverage because they can't run the ball. They can't be balanced. I think that's one of the things that appealed to him about Notre Dame was having a balanced offense so he wouldn't be in those positions to have to throw those picks. All right, finally, Patrick from Los Angeles. In what areas does Marcus Freeman need to grow slash improve the most from his first season in order to give the Irish the best chance to succeed this season and going forward? And I'm looking on and off the field, and I think he's done a lot of these things. He's He's got a much better feel for his vision of the program, and he's got his hands into it. His first year, he's like, Tommy, take the offense. I'll mess with everything else. And now I think he's much more involved and has a more sound reasoning and philosophy there. He's come up with a really good strategy, I think, to deal with NIL that's consistent with what Notre Dame wants to do with it. Um, he's – made consistently good assistant coaching hirings. Now, a couple of those will be put to the test this year, especially the coordinators. I think the mm -hmm. defensive coordinator is going to surprise some people, and we'll see what the offensive coordinator does. Um, so, And some of the things that he did in year one were really good for a, a new coach. That question everything philosophy. There are coaches that dig in their heels, especially young coaches. This is my way or the highway, and, you know, they don't want people to question what they're doing. He's like, okay, this isn't working, or it is working. Let's still find a way to get it better. If it is ain't broke, still fix it. Yeah. Still find a way to get better. Sounds like when he was flying on a vacation over the summer, just in that moment, he thought of a new way to handle the trip to Dublin. So even while he was on vacation, thinking of ways to put his football team in the best chance to have a successful trip over to Dublin – as they take on Navy in just 16 days. For the complete transcript of Eric's chat, go to InsideIndieSports.com, and the next chat will be? Next Thursday. We're always on Wednesdays except for next week because we have a conflict with 
interviews and practice schedule. It's the one time we will not be on Wednesday. So next Thursday. Okay, very noon. good. Let me play the music, which tells the world it's time for Eric to give us a couple of ideas. If you go to InsideIndieSports.com, what will you find? You're going to find a lot of variety today. We have uh, Charleston Bowles, our football <laughs> recruiting writer, is also all over basketball. Notre Dame got a big commitment today from 6'10", center Garrett, or forward, nobody's a center anymore, Garrett Sundra. We have highlights from the uh, uh, football practice today. We'll have a feature on Spencer Schrader a little bit later today, and the chat transcript is still up. And much, much more. And someone mentions the soap theme. That's right. I love the soap Part theme. of the chat. All right. He is Eric Hansen, co-hosting Sports Beat on Wednesdays and Thursdays during the 5 o'clock hour here on WSBT Radio. Well, good to be with you as always. Appreciate the knowledge. Enjoy your weekend. And we will reconvene on Wednesday. Sounds good. I showed the sunglasses off to the Twitch people. There you go. You get the full experience of Sportsbeat with the Twitch app. That's right. And you're probably wondering why we're laughing half the time when the microphones are off. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll get to the Twitter question of the day. You'll hear from Notre Dame safeties coach Chris O'Leary and also a couple of the safeties and Xavier Watts and Thomas Harper, who is going to be the nickel for this football team. We'll get to a little sports wagering picks at the end of the hour as well as Sportsbeat continues 559 at WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous spicy range rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 